Let's get right into the Word of God. It's, it's one of the things we love to do here at Trinity. Uh, we tend to just uh, go through books of the Bible, Old and New Testament, in our, uh, in our study. And so um, this morning, we are continuing our study of the Gospel of Mark, which we have entitled The Way of Jesus. Because if you remember, uh, Mark is uh, a writer who always seems to be on a mission to get somewhere. But we, a few weeks, arrived there. And it is that very last week of Jesus' life on earth. We call it Passion Week or Holy Week. And began with his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and, and then uh, his teaching in the temple and, and all of that. And uh, we have looked at uh, him um, dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and um, all of the, the religious leaders. And then, of course, we saw him in the upper room, in the Last Supper, with his disciples, the final teaching of them, and they go to the garden. Remember, he asked them to pray, and they just couldn't stay awake, and he asked them to watch, to be vigilant, and they couldn't even do that, and Jesus predicted Peter would deny him. Remember, and remember what Peter's response was? He said, no way, not me. Maybe these other fellows will do it, but I will stand true, even if I have to die, but of course we know And Jesus was right, as he always is, and Peter denied him three times, and we looked at that last week, a very powerful uh, passage of Scripture, Peter's denial uh, on the outside, watching Jesus as Jesus stood for uh, who he truly was. So uh, an amazing contrast uh, in that scene there. And so where we come to today is we come to this this classic uh, confrontation of Jesus and Pilate. And it's interesting because maybe we don't even call it a confrontation because Jesus does very little talking. And again, it's to fulfill prophecy, but Pilate is now uh, confronted with a situation. He has a decision to make. You'll see that play out as I read it in just a minute. But we are in Mark 15, 1-15. That's our passage for today. I'm also going to read part of that same account from John's Gospel, because all four Gospels share this account, and uh, again, Mark is very succinct, and so the other ones kind of add a little bit more, so it's good to to read the other gospel accounts to fill in some details. So I'm also going to read a bit from John, but what you're going to see is, you're going to see this unfold where Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome, uh, that area of Judea at the time, um, he is faced with a choice to make, with a dilemma and he's got a big decision to make. And what I want us to see is, how does he go about making his decision? And what can we learn from that? I mean, we all make decisions every day, right? I mean, almost every moment of every day we're making decisions. Little decisions and big decisions. And sometimes it's really important decisions, like when you're in the cereal aisle of the, the, the food store, and you see like about two million different boxes of cereal, and you're like, which one should I get? There's the healthy ones, and they're sort of on the top out of the way, because nobody buys them. And you know they're good for you, but then you see the lucky charms that you just have to have. And boy, that's a no-brainer. Easy decision, right? But we all make decisions every day. Um, You know, there's that famous saying that when you come to a fork in the road, take it. That's what you're supposed to do. The idea is you're supposed to make a decision. And I remember that, you know, when my, when my kids were teenagers and they would come and ask for money, because, you know, that would happen all the time, right, parents? 
And then it was always that decision, like, what, what, what should I do? Should I, you know, if I say no, then there's going to be this real back and forth and this battle. And it's like, do I even want to go through all that? Do I have the energy and, and the time for that? And then I think, well, but if I just say yes, am I, am I just too easy on them? Are they going to think, oh, dad's the easy one. They'll always come to me. Maybe I'm opening Pandora's box and setting a bad example. And so it was always like a struggle, what do I do, you know, and you kind of make the decision. And so I finally said, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm the husband, right, and, I, and I'm the dad, and they're coming to me, and so I need to make a decision. So I would always say this, and this is what I'm going to say. I say, go ask your mother. And so there you go, right? I mean, that's a decision maker right there. But you know what? We're going to see this play out with Pontius Pilate. Because Pilate does all that he can to try to avoid making a decision. A decision that, I think you agree with me, will change the course of history. But in many ways, we're not unlike Pontius Pilate. Because at the end of it all, we each have to make a choice and a decision about what to do with the truth and what do we do with Jesus You know, everybody that you meet, everybody that you see, whether they know it or not, will one day have to make a choice. What do I do with Jesus? Because there is no middle ground with the cross. And Jesus gives us no wiggle room there. So Pontius Pilate does all that he can to sort of uh, pass the buck, to compromise to bargain, to avoid it, to pretend like it's not even there. Have you done that? Maybe you just hide under your covers and you're just like, if I just stay in bed all day, everything outside will go away and I won't have to make any decisions. So I'm going to read this now and um, and then we're going to see how this plays out and, and all along the way I'll stop and say, hey, what about us? How does this affect us? This is sort of our so what part of the message and you're going to see that all throughout uh, as we go through it. So I'm going to read Mark 15, 1 to 15, and then I'm just going to add a, um, a, a small section from, uh, from John's Gospel because it adds a, a very important uh, part to it. Here it is, I got it. And so um, I'm going to read that together now. It'll be up on the screen for you, but if you'd like to follow along, this is from the ESV version, but it's Mark 15, 1 to 15. <clears throat> And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And so he answered them saying, Do you want me to release you, the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. 
But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And, a Pil- and Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now as I said, the other Gospel writers add some more detail And I just want to read a a section from John's account of the same thing and see how that played out. This is John 18, 33 to uh, to 38. John 18, 33 to 38. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, again, this is all the same uh, scenario. We just have a little bit more insight. Uh, And called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? What a powerful question, isn't it? What is truth? How do you even begin to answer that? And so that's the question that all of us do have to face at one point or another in our life. What is truth? Now we might face that in different ways, in different scenarios about all different things, but here in this context, that's the biggest question anybody could ever ask. What is truth? What is real? What is real about you, Jesus? He's asking, what is the truth? about you and who they say you are. So I'd like to, um, to just go through Pilate's decision-making process along the way, what he was faced with, and so at each step we'll pause, and I'd like us to reflect what would we do in that situation, and what do we do when we're faced with the truth? Because sometimes we know the truth can hurt, and I think and oftentimes we follow suit with what Pilate did in this situation. So, a little bit of background first. Remember what was happening with Jesus? In the span of about 12 to 14 hours, he went from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross. He was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested. Disciples deserted him. Peter denied him three times. He had numerous unjust trials by the religious leaders and the Roman leaders. Other Gospels tell us that Pilate didn't want to make the decision, sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back to Pilate. He's going shipped back and forth. And Jesus is mocked and beaten by the soldiers. We looked at that last week in just a, a span of half of a day. They accuse him of three false charges that we know of. It's said in our passage that Pilate said, you're accused of many things. 
They accused Jesus of subverting the nation and inciting rebellion, but didn't he withdraw from that? He was accused of forbidding people to pay taxes to Caesar, but did he not say, give Caesar what's due Caesar? He was accused of saying he is king to rival Caesar, but he said, this kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. These are all false accusations. Have you ever been falsely accused of something? And had to defend yourself or not even be in a position where you could defend yourself? You know, try to, I try to remember that we can only control what we say or do. We can't control what other people say or do or how they act. We have to leave that in the Lord's hands. But we know that we have to deal with the truth and act accordingly. I mean, even the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders who are accusing him of these things, they broke their own laws. The proceeding wasn't in the temple. Jesus not offered any defense, right? They would have had to have hear a defense from him. There was normally a two-day requirement for all deliberations, and they were trying him on a feast day. They were breaking their own laws just to try to expedite things. You know why? They weren't interested in the truth. Did you ever try to just bypass the truth because you feel like it would be a lot easier? Or even expedite it. We just want to kind of get things going. And I know that dealing with whatever the situation is, is going to mean I need to deliberate, take some time, think it through, ask some other people. But often we say, I don't have time for that. We just need to get it going. Right? And what do we do? We say we cut corners. We bend the truth a little bit. We go... Uh, out of our way to make it easier on ourselves. So Pontius Pilate is faced with a decision what to do with Jesus. Because he asked them, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus then? Because he figured, you know what, I'll offer them Barabbas. He's a murderer. I'm sure they'll say, no, give us Jesus. Because he knew that these were all false accusations. See, and, But yet they turned on him. And it even says the religious leaders they rallied the crowd. They influenced the crowd to make the decisions. And so he said, do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? They said, give us Barabbas. And he was, Pontius Pilate, I'm sure, was taken back. And so he asked the question, so what am I to do with this king of the Jews? And there's a question for all of us. Pontius Pilate found him innocent three times. If you look at Luke's account, it says it three times. Three times, Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. And then, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. Nothing that he did warranted his death, let alone death on a cross. But Jesus wouldn't give him any answers. Only reaffirming, yes, he is. He is the Son of God. He is the King of the Jews. As Pilate said. And Pilate had an angry mob on his hands, and he feared a riot. What would he do with it? See, Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea at the time. And so his main responsibility, church, was to kind of keep the peace, to make sure there was law and order, see? And so the last thing he wanted was a riot, especially during the Jews' time of feasting when there was even more people, see? A lot of it was about crowd control and not wanting things to get out of hand. He just wanted it to be easy. He was called in, like he would come into the area every year, at least during the time of the, the Passover feast, to try to make sure that things didn't get out of control. And here is this Jesus, this rebel, not giving him any answers, 
And we even know from other accounts, his wife was like, don't have anything to do with this, Jesus. I had a dream that he was going to cause trouble. Pilate was in deep. But he was the one in charge of keeping all the peace. He was the head of all the judicial system. He was the decision maker. He collected the taxes. He decided how to spend them. But we also know, just as some insight, he was a very brutal leader. He massacred hundreds of people. He despised the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. He found many opportunities, we know from history, to inflame the anger of the Jews towards Rome. There was one time where he used the temple money, the Jews' temple, the temple money, to build an aqueduct into Jerusalem. And when the Jewish people revolted and said, that's our money, he massacred them. This is Pontius Pilate. He already despises the Jewish people. But he's got to make a decision. What do I do with Jesus, the King of the Jews? So first, he tried to ignore that he even had a decision to make. He didn't want to try him. He didn't want to deal with it. Jesus wouldn't answer him. Pilate wanted to just save himself and make it easier on himself, kind of saying, you know what, let's just, I want this to be a, a political decision. I don't want anything to happen to me in my position. He was, of course, selfish. He didn't want to even deal with it. Did you ever try to just ignore a decision that you have to make? Like, just ignore it and maybe it'll go away. I suggest you don't try that with your monthly bills. Because if you decide, well, maybe I won't pay it and they just won't notice I guarantee you they will notice. We can't ignore decisions we have to make. But you know, sometimes we don't want to deal with God either. Sometimes we want to ignore the truth that God is putting right before us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we do that more than we probably would like. That we know a decision has to be made. We know what the Word of God might say about making that particular decision. But we try to ignore it. Like, no, God, that's, that can't be you. And we're ignoring the voice of God. Is that ever fruitful? <laughs> Does it ever end well for us? No. So oftentimes when we're faced with a decision, we can try to ignore it. And that's what Pilate tried to do. At first he just said, no, maybe I don't even have to do anything. And he was hoping Jesus would say something to help him so, make the decision himself, see? So he wouldn't even have to to do that on his own. Well, that didn't work. But we often do that. Maybe we're afraid of conviction. Ever pray that God would show you the way, but then, yeah, but don't show me too clearly because I might not want to follow it. What else did he try to do? He tried to pass the buck. We know from the other Gospels that that, uh, Pilate said, well, let me send him to Herod, because when he found out that Jesus was from Galilee, he said, well, Herod is the one that's overseeing that. He's the governor over there. I'll send him over there. So Pilate's trying to pass the buck, like, I don't even have to make the decision. I'll send him over there. Do we ever do that? Let me just not make the decision. Go ask your mother. How about that? So that's what Pilate tried to do as well. He sent him over to Herod. What happened with Herod? Herod mocked him, sent him right back over to Pilate. He tried to give away the responsibility, try to shirk uh, his responsibility, say, wash his hands of it. So he doesn't even have to make the decision. It's like making excuses. We don't do that, do we? 
make excuses for things so that we don't have to face the truth and take ownership of our own responsibilities. Let somebody else do it. Much easier for us because then we don't have to make decisions. And then if it goes wrong, we could say, well, it wasn't me. I didn't have any part in it. What else did he try to do? He also tried to compromise. I mean, Pilate tried to ignore it. He tried to pass the buck and wash his hands of it. He also tried to compromise. He told the Jews that he would punish and then release him. See, Pilate actually thought if he, if he um, allowed Jesus to be tortured and, and scourged, right, that and we've all, you know, if you've seen that movie and you've read, you know what it is. It's just this long whip with, with multiple, like, you know, strips of leather and it had bone, like sharp bone or metal on it, and they would whip him, and usually, usually the subject would die from that. And so Pilate thought, well, let me just do that, and that will satisfy the crowds. And so he wouldn't have to make the decision to crucify him. But no, that wasn't enough for the religious leaders that hated Jesus so much. They reveled in what was happening to Jesus, but no, they said, we still want him crucified. So Pilate even tried to compromise. He hoped that Jesus being brutally tortured would be enough, and it would be enough to appease the people, almost like we would say an end around, like I can get around this a different way. Sometimes we try to do anything else possible than to actually make the decision. We'll go out of our way to do other things that might be easier on us, that take us out of the equation so we don't have to make the decision. And that's what Pilate tried to do. He also tried to bargain. He tried to bargain his way out. If we do that, so how about, I don't want to make this decision. How about you do this, and I'll do this, and we'll just kind of avoid the whole thing, right? I mean, what did he do? He offered Barabbas instead. See, this was a tradition during the Passover that he would, again, he would come, and he would come into town to keep the peace, and every Passover there was this tradition that he would release a criminal to the Jewish people, one of their own. And he did it as sort of a goodwill offering. And so this time he thought, well, let's see, I couldn't pass the buck and I couldn't ignore it. And, and they weren't taking the bargain. They still want me to crucify him. The torture wasn't enough. And now he's saying, okay, maybe I can bargain with them. And he says, yes, here's the deal. Right, right, I remember. And they started calling, hey, remember, you should, you should do this for us because you do it every year and, and give us a, a criminal that, you know, free somebody. He said, great, we have Barabbas. You know, Barabbas was a real criminal. He was a murderer. It says in our, our text that he was part of the insurrection. There had been others that were trying to, right, that were trying to overthrow Rome and, and they were murdering people and, and uh, they had to, uh, take him into custody because he was accused of murder. So here he was, a true criminal. And so Pilate says, yeah, I'll offer him Barabbas. And of course, he's so bad, they'll, they'll say, no, give us Jesus and, and he'll be done with that. He won't have to send him to the cross. Pilate was trying to not send Jesus to the cross. He said, surely they won't want me to free Barabbas. But then again, they shocked him and said, no, give us Barabbas. And he says, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? What did they say? Crucify him. And they shouted it all the more, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine what Pilate was thinking? How much they must hate Jesus if they want 
to set Barabbas of all people free. But we also know that the religious leaders, see, they influenced the crowds. That can happen often, right? Where the truth is there, plain to see, but a lie is told. And what happens with a lie? It spreads. And now the whole crowd was just listening. Yeah, these guys are right. Yeah, crucify him. Yeah, crucify him. How quickly does that happen? I mean, in our day and age, we're so sensitive to making sure we don't offend anybody. We don't want to be offensive. We don't want to be intentionally offensive ever. But yet, we realize that the truth can get lost among a whole sea of lies. It's that whole idea that perception is reality. What is perceived to be the truth becomes the reality, but it's not the real reality, see? Because even Pilate says, wait, what is truth? Not even what is the truth. He says, what is truth? How do we even define that? And what am I supposed to do about it? That is what Pilate is facing. So he tried to bargain, and that didn't even work out. But let's not miss the irony here. They accused Jesus of inciting rebellion, but that's what actually Barabbas was in jail for. And Do we see what happened? Jesus took the place of Barabbas. Barabbas, the true criminal, the one who was supposed to die for his sin, he was set free. Why? Because Jesus took his place. Did you catch that? Isn't that amazing? We see that. We know what Christ has done for us. So finally, what else does he do? I mean, we like to bargain with God, don't we? Before I move on to the last one. I mean, he tried to bargain with the people. Do we sometimes bargain with God? God, yeah, just get me out of this situation. And I'll go to church every Sunday. And sometimes on Wednesday night, I'll go too. And what do you think God is saying? God is saying, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I remember when you said that last month, I remember, right? I remember it's a couple weeks ago we talked about that passage. It says, make a vow. When you vow a vow to God, don't delay in keeping that vow. God is a promise keeper. He makes promises, and he keeps every one of them. There are promises that he made to Abraham thousands of years ago that he still will keep in the near future. God is a promise keeper. Do we do the same? Or do we sometimes try to bargain with God? Do we sometimes try to bargain with Him? Bargain our way out of making a decision. God, I don't want to even deal with this situation. I know what the truth is. I don't want to have to make a decision. So let's just, let's just cut a deal, God, and get me out of this situation. We do that as well. And then finally, Pilate He tried to please the crowd. It said in our passage, so powerful, it says, um, the last verse, verse 15 of Mark 15, because they had just said, he said, what do you want me to do with this king of the Jews? And, And they said, crucify him. So it says, so Pilate. Pilate was exhausted. Remember, he tried to bargain, he tried to compromise, he tried to ignore it, right? He tried all those tactics, And he was at the end of his rope, and it says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, 
released for them Barabbas, and he had Jesus scourged. Do you ever just give in to what everybody else is doing? You know, we talk about that, all that happens with teenagers in high school. We remember what it was like in high school, don't we? Well, everybody's doing it. All the cool kids are doing it, right? But it still happens with us as adults. The people around us are doing something. It might not be the right thing, but eventually they give enough pressure and they give in. They give in. We do that too. We know what the truth is. Maybe there's a situation where you need to take a stand for Christ. Take a stand for your faith and yet maybe people around you are joking or mocking or something and you just kind of stay quiet. You don't want to cause any problems. You just kind of fit in, go with the flow. We need to think. There's going to be certain situations where we know the truth and we need to stand for the truth. Are we willing to stand on the truth that we say we believe? We can easily give in to peer pressure no matter how old we are. Even a, even a simple thing. Like maybe before you were a believer, you used to curse up a storm like a sailor. Maybe God took that away from you. Some people, it takes a long time. Some people, I, I've heard say from, from the day that I was saved, that moment I was saved, I didn't curse again. And maybe you're at work, you're out some buddies with some friends, and, and they're all cursing and using foul language and talking about other people inappropriately. Do you join in? Because it's what everybody else is doing. And then as you leave, you just say, God, forgive me. And we know there's all kinds of situations like that we can find ourselves in. But the point is, we know the truth. Are we willing to stand for it no matter what? See, Pilate came to the end of his rope and said, well, he didn't want to. He didn't want to disappoint the crowd. He didn't want to even deal with the crowd. Remember what his job was to keep the peace? And so he just said, I'm going to keep the peace and I'll just let the crowd have what they want. I mean, as parents, we do that with our kids all the time, right? When they're crying, they're whining, they want something. Sometimes it's a lot easier than saying, nope, I'm going to stand my ground. Sometimes it's so easier to say, yeah, have the cookie. Have the candy. Right? But we know sometimes there's really serious situations where the truth is at stake and what are we going to do? Pilate said, what is truth? He said, what am I to do with Jesus? You want Barabbas? What am I supposed to do with Jesus? He is not guilty. He is innocent. I haven't found anything wrong with him. But it says, not wanting to disappoint the crowd. He gave in. See, he tried to wash his hands of it. He tried to avoid responsibility. Pretend like there was no consequences. Man, that's a good one. We might give in to that one sin that we just struggle with all the time. And we just go through it like we pretend like there's no consequences. You know why? I mean, when's the last time that you gave in to temptation and you sinned and you knew it and then God immediately struck you down with lightning? When's the last time that happened? No, and so what happens is the way we rationalize things from a, a, a sinful nature, we say, wow, we just committed this sin and we kind of open one eye. Well, nothing happened. Nobody found out. Nobody knew about it. I'm still living. And I wasn't struck down by God. I, I guess it's okay. I, I guess I can do it again. Right? 
But don't we know eventually the truth wins out? Eventually there will be consequences. But see, that's such a thing. I believe it's because God is so gracious. You know, recently the, the, men's, um, the, the men's Bible study on Tuesday mornings, we went through the book of Revelation. You know what we all came away with? You would never think it. We all came away with saying, what did you come away with the book of Revelation? The book about God's judgments on his people. We came away with saying how merciful God is. If you ever read through Revelation, you see time and again, God is the God. Jesus comes back as judge. It is predicting he will. We know he will. But when he is judging, there is always a pause. There's always a time for people to repent and come back to the Lord because God is merciful. So I believe there's not always immediate consequences because God is merciful. He wants us to come to him and say, God, we're sorry. Have mercy on us. Help us. Give us the strength not to do it again. We know that we need to just surrender ourselves to you and and you will give us the strength. It's not our battle to fight. You will fight it for us if we just trust in you. See, that's the way it's supposed to work. Pilate even tried to pretend there was no consequences. See, he was caught in the middle. He probably felt like it was a no-win situation, but the problem with the cross is that there is no middle ground. We cannot have any neutrality when it comes to the truth of the cross. If nothing else, can we remember that from this morning? There is no middle ground with the cross. It demands that we make a decision. What are we going to do with Jesus? When Jesus was arrested, the disciples had a choice, and they chose to flee. When Peter was asked about knowing Jesus, he had a choice, and he denied him three times. When Pilate was, forced, was faced with the choice, he decided to please the crowd and take the easy way out. You cannot bargain with the truth. We cannot avoid the truth. We cannot compromise the truth. We cannot placate the truth. So the question for us this morning is, what will we do when we're faced with the truth? What do we do with Jesus? If you're here today and you're not sure, maybe you're here and you're seeking and you don't yet know Jesus as who he said he is, the Savior, what I can say to you is that the Word of God tells us Jesus himself says he is the way, the truth, and the life. You know what Jesus said? He said, no one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. There's no middle ground. We have no option to say that other people of other religions, they're all going to go to heaven as well. Jesus doesn't give us that option. Say, God will be merciful and forgive everybody. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember, church, we have been separated from our Creator, our Father in Heaven, by sin. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And God finally sent Jesus, doing away with the sacrificial system we see in the Old Testament, and said Jesus is the final sacrifice. There must be blood that is shed for the forgiveness of sin that's always been the way since the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And God says, it's going to be my one and only Son. And we see this being played out right before our eyes as we read Scripture. 
So what does it mean to us? Yeah, we can see how we make decisions and how Pilate did it. We can see a lot of truth in, in ourselves there. But ultimately, this is telling us, what are we going to do with Jesus? What will you do about Jesus, who said that he is the way, not a way, he is the way. He said he is the truth, not a version of the truth, he is the truth, and he is the life, not one way to have eternal life, but the way to have eternal life. He said nobody comes back to God, nobody's reconciled to God except through me. What will you do with that truth? Would you stand and we'll pray? Father God, we stand now together recognizing that there is truth before us. Your word is truth. It says it is true. It is a lamp to our feet. It lights our way. It gives us a path of life. And it leads directly to your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you that we are faced with that question, what is truth? We know that Jesus is truth. Father, would you get a hold of each of our hearts, those of us who are already believers, who have called on the name of Jesus and put our faith and trust in him for the salvation of our sin. May we be reminded of that all the time, every day, so that when we are faced with decisions that we would stand on the truth, no matter what the cost. And Father, those that are here today that are still seeking, that don't know, would you just gently, gently lead them to you? Would you just gently show them the way, open their eyes as you say that you will, open their eyes to the truth, because the truth will set them free. Father, thank you for setting us free, and you did it through your son Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Let us go in that truth, proclaiming it and living it. Amen.